and welcome to Our Voices Indigenous Solutions Podcast. In this episode, we will be talking to the legendary Akima Honyomtewa, Hopi dryland farmer, traditional weaver, and culture bearer of his people. We spoke about the dynamics of Hopi dryland farming and its relation to climate change. We also spoke about the role of the human being in the universe. And perhaps most importantly, we spoke about his understanding and view of women, females, and the feminine. And so, without further ado, let's get into our interview with Akima Honyomtewa. Thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it. It's an honor to have you here. I've seen your your plants, you know, growing on Instagram. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, and and YouTube. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And we really admire I think just the different planting practices of Hopi people in general and all dryland farmers, but so so where are you from? Maybe we'll just start with that. I'm Akima. I'm from Bakovi, Arizona. Hopi Third Mesa, um, descendants from Olorabi, Snake Clan. Awesome. Thank you. So I'm interviewing you right now on March 26, 2022. We've just passed the spring equinox and everybody is getting ready to plant their fields all around the northern hemisphere, all around the world. So I feel very privileged I got to walk through your hundred-year-old peach orchard just now growing in the sands of the desert uh, growing in a wash and you yeah. said this was handed down to you from your forefathers um, third generation yeah so so one of the things that a lot of farmers are concerned about of course is the changing weather the changing precipitation the change in water availability you know, Hopi farmers, Zuni farmers, uh, various farmers in the Southwest are experts at dryland farming. So what are some of the strategies that you use to, to work in such, I mean, you can't see it right now, but looking around me, there's some juniper, there's some yucca, there's some beautiful little desert plants everywhere. Um, but it's pretty dry out here, you know, it's, it's pretty dry. And yet you manage, I've seen them just huge fields of corn, huge fields of watermelon, huge fields of beans. How, how do you, what kind of strategies do you use to, to, to thrive in such a, in such a dry environment? Well, that goes to like prep work. And what I mean by prep work is by damming your field. And when you dam your field, the water soaks. It takes years to soak. And like I was telling another guy, that when you have your field soaked like that for so many X amount of years, eventually that you don't even need it to rain because that moisture and water is so deep down in there that the roots are still going to be able to, to get to that water. Mm. Whereas mm -hmm. if you don't dam it and you don't do nothing, then it's going to you know be like the rest of the area, which mm -hmm. is probably only so deep, mm -hmm. the, the, the wetness. Mm -hmm. So... It usually takes a few years to get your field even ready to plant. So you gotta, it takes a while. And on mine, I've started the one that down there at the cornfield. I started that in 2015 and you can see it's kind of on a hill. Mm -hmm. So there's not really any spot for the water to soak at. Mm -hmm. 
And the second best after you, you know, damn it, mm -hmm. comes from self, from from the positive energy that you give to not only your plants and the way you treat it, but to others. Mm -hmm. You know, how you treat people, how you treat your family and stuff like that. The energy, that positiveness that comes out, you can put it into your own plants, mm -hmm. into your own area. And that's what I was talking about, how the trees know me when they come here because I have that positive energy, that connection to where when it's so when you connect so strong like that, you can go anywhere in the world. You can be on the others, you can be in India and still have the same connection. The trees will still come up to you and greet you because you you've connected. Mm -hmm. And that's how it how it is, you know, when you get to that kind of level. You can connect with the trees in the area, not just with the trees, but with the animals and the insects. You can connect with them, and they could e they could even support you and help you, mm -hmm. you know, because not you're taking care of them too, you know. Mm -hmm. They know animals, the insects, the plants, the bushes, all of those things, the mountains. They know when you're on the right path. They know when you're on a positive energy, and they they they'll show you in some form or way or another by rain or dew or you know what I mean some kind mm -hmm. of the the um the land will show you things mm -hmm. when you're in that when you're on that level when you're not on that level if you're negative all the time you're always hating then your fields aren't gonna grow then you know it'll grow so high and then it'll stop it'll dry mm -hmm. so you always want to be positive you always want to be respectful then that's how that things grow mm -hmm. because of that Mm -hmm. And that's what the other good positive thing from, you know, to get things to grow in the desert mm -hmm. is by that. And mm -hmm. a lot of the, the people that plant don't have that. You mm -hmm. know, they're not respectful. They're not. I mean, on the outside they are, but on the inside they'll turn around and, you know, call you names. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. the kind of people they are. And it shows in their fields mm -hmm. or, you know, in everything, even in their artwork, it mm -hmm. shows. Mm -hmm. And so that's why... You know, you always want to be positive. You always want to be like that. So that way everything thrives around you, not just your your, your plants and your produce, but, you know, people. Mm -hmm. And that's how you get healthy because the, the good energy you get into your food comes out, comes back to you when you eat it. Yeah. Yeah, they always say that, you know, when you're cooking food too, to have good thoughts and to pray and to put your, uh, your good thoughts into the food so that whoever eats it you know they they're actually eating all the all the feelings and all the thoughts that you had yeah. when you were cooking and so it makes sense to have the same thing when you're planting yeah that's why you don't want to be in a bad mood when you're cooking dinner or lunch for somebody because that energy goes into that food and the other person will consume it that energy which will make them sick or food poisoning or you know what i mean mm -hmm. diarrhea or you know anything can happen and it's because whoever was cooking it wasn't in a bad, in a, in, wasn't in a good mood. Mm -hmm. And it affects whoever eats it. And, you know, that's why we, a long time ago we would make, we would tease, you know, the church people because they would pray to their food. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. But after, well, it changed. Now I see why they do that. 
Yeah. And I do that now. Yeah. You know, when I'm at home, I'll pray to my food. I'll talk to my food, you know. And the reason why I seen a, a thing on TV where they did an experiment on water. Yeah, yeah. You seen that? I was just about to mention that. Yeah, yeah. where you, they say good things to the water, and then they'll say bad things to the water, and then they'll freeze it. Mm-hmm. And then the good, the good things that were said were in nice crystal form and, mm-hmm. you know, beautiful shapes. And then the negative one was all corrupted and crazy there was no pattern there was no nothing mm-hmm. and you know when i saw that it made me think you know we want to be drinking the good water mm-hmm. and so when i because i drink out of the spring yeah I, I i don't drink bottled water or any of that stuff mm-hmm. i drink directly from the springs from here in mm-hmm. in in hopi and so when i go get my water i'm always thanking it like thank you you know help me get good you know help my body you know Mm -hmm. so every time I drink it it has that good crystals in it and that made me think so I now I do the same thing to food Mm -hmm. because the food will probably help benefit you if you say good things to it and you know that good energy will come out of it and the food has water in it too so it is affected in that way and one thing that I love looking at your fields is that it's all fed by rainwater there's no outside irrigation um, what, what is that about? What is that, uh, uh, is that, is that an old form of farming here? Yeah, and that's why in Hopi it's traditional farming because we didn't rely on irrigation. Our irrigation came from ceremonies. And that's what I was talking about earlier is when we, in the old days, like 200 years ago, 300 years ago, even before the, the government in Spanish came, the ceremonies were all timely and it was all for growing food and that's why everything came from self because when we would participate in those ceremonies we'd go back to our fields and the energies that we would put into it would come back Mm -hmm. and that's how we would get things to grow and in those days the rains the seasons everything was timely everything was right on like Mm -hmm. it would rain right on time yeah every the cycles of the seasons were right on smack dab on time Mm -hmm. today it's not like that Mm -hmm. everything is way on everything is you know not timely anymore so back then farming took very little effort Mm -hmm. i mean you can plant and it would thrive Mm -hmm. and not only would it thrive animals and all of that wouldn't eat it Mm -hmm. because the weather was timely. Everything was timely. They didn't have to eat it. Yeah. Every All the food was plentiful. The earth was, you know, flourishing. There was food everywhere. So in those days, the rabbits, the crows, the animals, the insects, the worms, I mean, they went to them, but it wasn't like today where mm-hmm. they just, you know, will tear your whole field up in days. Yeah, yeah. You feel if you're not there. Yeah. But in those days, everything, it wasn't like that. And so farming was very little effort. It was it grew, you know, and today it's not like that. We have to work extra harder. The weather, we, you know, of course, and the people that are doing ceremonies aren't farmers. Mm-hmm. And so when they do these dances, you know, they, they don't realize that they're messing it up for us, the farmers, because mm-hmm. we can't go out and plant. Or when we do plant and the, the plants are little, they put on a dance and it freezes. It. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? And because they, these people doing the putting on these dances don't have no no education on on nature. Mm-hmm. They don't understand the cycle of the season. They just go by what they're being told mm-hmm. by the leaders. Mm-hmm. And like I said, the leaders aren't educated. Mm-hmm. All they know is the book stuff, mm-hmm. but they're not educated in 
nature. They're not, they don't know about the seasons. They don't know about the moon shifting. They mm -hmm. don't know about humanity. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So that's why. And so I just think it's beautiful that, you know, we have our monsoon season here in, um, in the desert. Uh, I'm Dinesh, so I come from the, um, you know, the desert as well. But, you know, we have these summer rains. So even though it's really dry, it appears that our peoples around this area managed to find a way to really, um, I don't know if harness is the right word, but kind of harness every time that it rains, like you said, to soak the fields and to position the fields in the washes, to position the fields right where the water kind of comes down in a stream uh, when the, when the kind of like a, what do they call it, a flood rain or a flash flood type of thing where we kind of harness each time that happens and we bring it into the fields. Um, so what do, you, what do you think about when you position your field? Where do you put your fields? Well, my, field per, my fields personally were chosen before me. Mm-hmm. You know, they were passed down. Mm-hmm. And, but, but what I've noticed from their choices is that they put all of our fields in washes. Mm-hmm. Because of that. And my uncle would tell me before he passed away, like 20 years ago, said that we, you want to follow the water. Go where the water goes. If you're going to plant, plant where the water is. Mm -hmm. Or plant where the water goes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's why you look for those washes. And you see, where, especially the best time to do it is after a rainstorm. Because then you can see the trails. You can mm -hmm. see where all the water goes. Mm -hmm. And you can go out on your own, you know, even if there's no hills or mountains or if it's just flatland, you can go out and look and see where the water goes. Mm -hmm. You know, you can follow it. And wherever you see the puddles, you know, where the where the water puddles, that's where you want to start mm. your field at. And then eventually as you grow from there, you can, you know, extend it, make it bigger and bigger, and then eventually you get it big enough to where you can dam it. Mm -hmm. And then when it rains, that water will stay in your field where you plant. Mm -hmm. And so you kind of got to plant. You got to kind of go out and look. Yeah. And so you almost create your own little localized aquifer. Yeah. Mini aquifer because you dam it every year and the water soaks and yeah. soaks until it kind of stays yeah. in that area. Yeah. It's like a natural irrigation system. Yeah. And the only thing is you got to maintain it every year because mm -hmm. the weather and the wind messes messes it up, the terrain. Mm -hmm. So you got to constantly be out fixing it. When After a big rainstorm or a windstorm, you got to go out there and do repairs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's why in the old days we didn't have big old fields because mm -hmm. it would take too much, you know, manpower. You just made small enough to where only one or two guys can handle. Mm. And not only if you have big old fields like that on the when it's windy it pushes all that wind over i mean sand over yeah and yeah. it covers up all the other bushes and it messes up the terrain mm -hmm. so you don't want to have wide open fields especially out here in the southwest where it's always windy yeah yeah i mean i think that that this contrasts greatly to uh, i guess like western farming where you know you you bring the water to you, you know, you don't go to where the water is, you pipe it or you, you, you know, bring it through irrigation. And I think that it's very respectful to go where the water is. And one of my friends had a very interesting, um, uh, idea. She said, she said water sovereignty, you know, cause the water itself is sovereign 
and we ought to honor where it wants to be. Uh, and so to go to where it is, um, and, um, I like that. And I also noticed too, that, you know, your house is far away from your fields. Uh, I know that's not how it always is, but you're willing to go, you're willing to do the work to travel where the water is. Um, whereas I feel like in American culture, we want the farm to be right in our front yard. You know, we want to bring it to us and make the farm, even if our house has, is not a good farming place, <laughs> it makes no sense to farm there. We'll contort it and change it to make it work. Um, so anyways, I really like how you bring, how you go to where the water is. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we are told in the old days. Go to where the water is. So you may have already answered this question a little bit, but, um, what's the most important thing to, to, to think about and do as a farmer, as a Hopi farmer? Or what are some of the most important things? I know there's a lot of important things, but what, what are some important things you keep in mind as you do your farming? Well, mainly, like I said, everything comes, everything happens through self. Mm -hmm. So when you're farming, that's a good way to connect with self. Mm -hmm. You know, not just with the land, but with yourself. You know, when, when I'm out here working by myself, you know, I, sometimes I'm not thinking of anything. It's like when I play basketball. Mm -hmm. I'm a basketball player. Mm -hmm. When I'm out there on the court, I have no, I'm not thinking of nothing except the moment. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not thinking of tomorrow. I'm not thinking of yesterday. I'm not thinking of 10 minutes from now. I'm thinking of, you know, playing the game, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of almost like the same as when you're out in the field. You don't want to always be thinking too much and, you know, talking to yourself. You want to be concentrating on your work, mm -hmm. you know, the game. And mm -hmm. so when you're out here farming, you can get in that concentration mode. Mm -hmm. You can get, you're in that mode to where you're not thinking it. All you're focused on is on what you're doing. You're focused on, you know, fixing this row of corn or you're, you know, plowing or whatever, you know. And the best part is that you get to be with nature. You're outside, you know, you're working with the plants, you know, with the animals, with the little bugs, you know, mm -hmm. they're there, they see you working, they they see you every day, so they know you, and that's what I'm talking about, mm -hmm. the connecting. Yeah. And so that's one of the main reasons, main reasons why I farm is, you know, to help myself, mm -hmm. mentally, spiritually, and physically, you know, we got to connect, we got to bring those three treasures, what they call in, in Buddhist teachings, that you bring those three treasures together to help build yourself and a lot of different cultures have different ways of doing that and, and this is a good way for any culture to do it is through farming because mm -hmm. you find yourself and you lose yourself when mm -hmm. you're out here mm -hmm. especially if you got plants growing because then you're talking to the plants you mm -hmm. know they tell us you want to treat your plants like your own kids like your own kids are your plants mm -hmm. and it shows it's a good teaching tool as parenting. Mm -hmm. Like you can tell if this farmer is a good parent by the way their plants look, by mm. the way their their produce is coming out, because they take care of them like they would with kids. Whereas the bad farmers, the bad parents, you can tell how their their fields are and their kids by how they grow up and how they act. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? The yeah. the bad farmers will forget their fields. 
the bad parents will forget their children. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. that's why a lot of the the parenting today, like I was talking about earlier with leadership, is because they don't want to learn. They're lazy. They don't want to, you know, work. You know, mm-hmm. there's jobs, but nobody wants to work. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And everyone's crying about, oh, we don't have um, self-employment. We don't have money. You know, that's that's just a bunch of crap. Because <laughs> there's jobs, there's work, there's stuff. It's just a lot of the people are so lazy and just don't want to do anything. They depend on other people mm-hmm. to support them. Mm-hmm. You know, I've met a lot of people that are like that. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they're like... Um, leeches they'll suck on you and take from you until they get what they want and then they forget about you mm-hmm. you know that's what you call fake friends because mm-hmm. a lot of people do that they they come at to you as friends and then once they get what they want then they forget about you they leave they don't even know you no more yeah it's like what the heck yeah you know i thought we were friends mm-hmm. and so it's the same way so that's why when you farm there's there's learning in it when you're out there farming, especially if you get to farm with somebody experienced, yeah. you know, a, a grandpa or uncle, somebody that's been farming, you know, they can teach you things, mm-hmm. not just about, you know, what's going on with the farming, but about the area, yeah. you know, your surroundings, the trees, the bushes, the the um, bugs, you know, mm-hmm. in Hopi, certain bugs come out at certain moons, mm-hmm. certain bushes um, come out at certain moons mm-hmm. and that's how can we know what time to do things is just by our, our surroundings mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so that's why farming is a big teaching tool which I highly recommend for any culture mm-hmm. so all cultures should have should be farmers in my opinion yeah yeah <laughs> when you said bad farmers I thought of myself <laughs> Because um, I'm really good at collecting seeds, but not so good at planting and keeping them. Well, at the same time, it is partly due to land loss, you know, and and Christianization, missionization, colonization, boarding schoolization. And so I don't, I'm not too hard on myself, but I think that's why land back, this idea of, you know, returning land to indigenous peoples, because I think it's 70% of indigenous peoples live in cities is the statistic and I feel like I'm one of them you know I'm one of those um native people who kind of well I did grow up rurally in Taos New Mexico way out in the bushes but as I got older you know we sold that land I didn't have access to land and I went to school in San Francisco and now I'm in Albuquerque but you know I think that it's really hard to um plant when you don't have a land base uh, you don't have roots anymore, you know, and I think so many of our native people and, and all people too, people of all races and all nations have been uprooted. And I think that, you know, land back, returning lands to indigenous peoples uh, and, and also like people back, you know, returning people back to the land um, will help us have an opportunity to experience what you're talking about, to meditate in the field, to root ourselves down, to know what it means to be a good parent. Uh, But I really loved what you said about how planting teaches you to be a good parent because you have to keep coming back. They're like your babies, you know, you can't abandon them or forget about them. Uh, And I think that that's uh, one of the things that really inspired me when I heard you talk to the Hickoria uh, schools the other day, the Apache schools, um, was just how you're saying about how these plants are like our children. Um, 
and I am in the process, finally, I'm, I'm in my early 30s, finally getting a land base, finally getting a home so that I can start planting. And I do encourage everyone to try to do that however they can. Yeah, even if it's just a small garden, mm-hmm. even that's good. Yeah. At least you're making a commitment. Yep. And that's all you need is yep. to show that you're trying. Mm-hmm. It's not trying is what gets spiritual people mm-hmm. when you don't try you don't give any effort then you might as well just lay down and die <laughs> yeah. because you're, you're you're getting busy dying and you're not getting busy living mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that has a lot has to do with our, our lifestyle you know this lifestyle we're living in it causes that and a lot of blame has to be has to be put on this this lifestyle mm-hmm. with technology mm-hmm it took away our spirits. Yes, yes. And I think that trying is, is so important. And I, I did actually plant a little garden, you know, recently. And I still have my first corn, my first ear of corn I ever grew. Yep. <laughs> it's kind of sad and small, but I'm very proud of it. And um, At least you tried. Um, yeah, exactly. Because I have friends in Japan that have no no land Mm -hmm. they live you know right there in apartments but at least they have you know they're growing stuff from the home yeah they got little pots they got little stuff growing vegetables you know Mm -hmm. but at least they're trying and that's all you need the rhythm of the earth is still going but it's us that is keeping it back because we're not doing the ceremonies on the right moons right and that's why it's hard to plant now because of that so if you know when they do the last ceremonies, that's when you would want to plant right as soon as you can. Right after that last one, boom, plant. If there's none, then plant right away. Boom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't for the bean dancers, I would have planted in February. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. even in in July, in January, the trees are already um, um, budding. Mm. But then we had the bean dance and brought that snow and it killed all those buds. Mm. And so it had to regrow again, restart all over again. And then just as it was coming, then they throw on another dance, froze it all again. Now it's got to redo it again. And mm. that's how come we don't have peaches. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I'm saying. You know, there's a lot of learning in farming, not just about the land, but about human beings, about ourselves. And that's what I'm thinking that we need more of, is we need to understand about who we are as people. An individual and then you can go out and start helping others because mm-hmm. my teachers would say be- you got to help yourself before you help others mm-hmm. otherwise it's going to be in vain because mm-hmm. even though you're helping people you yourself is still falling and going down hitting rock bottom because mm-hmm. I was even doing that you know 15 10 years ago I was trying to help people but I was myself wasn't helped so I'd always go back down in the gutter mm-hmm. then I got to climb back out again mm-hmm so that's what I mean, get education on who we are as a self, as a person, whether you're male or female. Find your purpose, find your destiny. And then once you find that out, then everything will lay down like dominoes for you. Everything will, you know, come to you, mm-hmm. you know, like that. But it takes practice. It doesn't come overnight. It takes years to build up. And that's why you got to start now. It, like This is my 10th year. This is my 10th year of training Mm-hmm. Running and exercising. I started back in 2012. Mm-hmm. 2022 now. So after this year, my spiritual training will be on its decline. 
I'll be getting done now. So now I'll be ready for the next step, mm-hmm. which would be more responsibilities. Mm. Maybe leadership, you know. That more responsibilities come as you, you know, as a person. Mm-hmm. And that's why, you know, this is a part of life. Hopi ceremonies is a part of life. You know, everything we do is a part of it, and we all have to go through it as spirits. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes Araibi so special. Because Hopi ceremony, to me, is mandatory for all spirits to go through. Even though you're not Hopi now, when you pass away in your next life, you can get reborn a Hopi and go through the rituals. Your spirit will go through the ceremonies and get initiated and go through it. And once we go through all Hopi ceremonies, then we can go up to the next step, mm-hmm. which is, you know, leadership, um, you know, um, being a chief, you know, that kind of stuff mm-hmm. comes next. And then once you pass being that, then you become being a world leader, become mm-hmm. a world chief or enlightened being a Buddha. You know, you become enlightenment, you get to go to that step. Mm-hmm. And then when you pass that step, whether you're male or female, the males get transformed into a sun. The females get transformed into an earth. Mm. And so the earth that we're living on used to be a human being. Mm. But she passed and went through all the stuff that was required human beings to go through. And then she eventually went to the next step, which was becoming an actual earth. Mm. Where, where she can do as she, she fits. You know, she can have a mountain here, an ocean here, you know, a continent there. You know, it's all on her. She's mm-hmm. the one that's doing it. Mm-hmm. She can do things how she sees fit. Mm-hmm. And then for the males, we become sons. We become an actual son. And it's our energy and, and our brightness that we bring from e- from education, from understanding that we enlighten the world. We enlighten the beings through our um, positivity. And that's what he, men folk, we become sons. And that's how you get human beings. Mm-hmm. Because you got to have an earth, you got to have a son. And then when you get those two, then you can have human beings. Mm-hmm. And so every, and then when you pass that, then you get to become, you're no longer male or female anymore. Then you become galaxies. You become a solar system. Mm-hmm. An actual, you know, Milky Way is mm-hmm. used to me, in my opinion, used to be a human being. Mm-hmm. You know, but it was so many, you know, hundreds of billions of thousands of years ago that that person, you know, eventually, because that's how old we are. Mm-hmm. I believe our spirits is that old. Mm-hmm. You know, the we're just as old as galaxies. Yeah. But we just been re- repeating our lives over and over and over and over. It's infinite mm-hmm. to where we can't get out. We're either going putting ourselves down or we're getting ourselves out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's what you know. All of this is all about is learning our place, where we be, where we become. And so, when you think about it, every galaxy out there has a sun in it, mm-hmm. has an earth in it has human beings in it and there's only one mm-hmm. so there's to me there's no different cultures in one solar system there's only one life form mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. one every galaxy yeah to me mm-hmm. so that's my interpretation on how we are as human beings how you go from the lowest stage to the smallest little atom to the to insects, you know, to um, animals, to human beings, to planets, you know, mm-hmm. we we it's a whole cycle. Once you finish becoming a galaxy, then you start all over again to the smallest <laughs> atom. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
it's it's infinite it's yeah. always infinite and a lot of us human beings were stuck in this what they call samsara mm -hmm. in tibet they call it samsara where it's a continuous rebirth and death of life mm -hmm. human beings and it it all comes down to karma how we live our lives is how we get positioned we'll, whether we get up here or whether we're down here again mm -hmm. it's how we live our lives as human beings and what we do positivity and that's how we get promoted to the next step and that's i was just going to ask how do you advance through some, karma through positivity yeah through karma yeah what we do for others and that's why i believe that when you, you know, learn it in that way then unseen spirits and all that really can't do nothing to help you it's really on you Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You can pray to someone to help you, but then you're not helping yourself. You're depending on somebody else or mm -hmm. something. Mm -hmm. And that's why we say you got to depend on your own self to get to that level. If you want to talk to the spirits, you got to talk to them through energy. Mm -hmm. You can't talk to them through words because there's, they don't understand what we're saying. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't know. The only thing they know is energy. Mm -hmm. And every living thing has an energy field, has a yin and yang, has mm -hmm. that that connection mm -hmm. whether it's a rock or a tree or a bush it all has that energy field mm -hmm. and that's what we're talking about you got to come you know concentrate and develop self mm -hmm. before you can start going out and helping others and i spent 10 years doing that to me mm -hmm. you know i've been training for 10 years now and now i'm past that after this year my 10 years will be over mm-hmm so next year, I'll be expecting more responsibilities, maybe even more lectures. You mm -hmm. know, more people are going to be wanting more help. And that's when I can have more free time to do that because my training is done. Yeah, I can fully relate. I, I always wanted to help the world, but starting doing drugs when I was 11 years old, or at least directly, I was getting contact high pretty much since I was born. But, uh, you know, starting to do my own drugs and being drugged when I was 11 and all the abuse that comes with that being an addict and being the wrong place at the wrong time you know I, I finally was realizing I couldn't help people I had to I had to help myself and so I was about 20 years old when I finally prayed in a very sincere way to be sober I said creator I'm ready to get sober you know holy people I'm ready to get sober and so you're right it had to come from myself I mean I could pray and they did help me but I had to want it and I had to work with them to help me out of it and they sent me a lot of help they sent me people to teach me they sent me ways to get to understand why I was addicted and how to heal from the abuse uh, and how to heal from lots of different stuff but I had to take them up on it, you know, I had to show up and meet the people and, and listen to them and, and I had to want to learn. And and uh, this year I'll be uh, 10 years sober in December. So I feel like I've kind of been trying to train a little bit too. And and I, I, I love this idea that like the way we advance is through kindness, you know, to be kind to others, to, to, to give to others is how our spirits grow. And that's exactly what my other mentors had told me from Lakota uh, Nation. That is through kindness that we can actually uh, advance in a good way. And I think that this is just one way for us to, to see our role in the universe, is to see that we have the potential 
to um, that there is purpose. It is is cyclic, and it's also there's a direction to it too. There's a there's a goal in that sense. It's slightly linear in the sense that there's a there's a goal to get to a goal of advancing and enlarging our spirits, um, and. I think you're right that generally a lot of people are not just not advancing, but they're going backwards a little bit. Um, but yeah, what, did you want to share something? Yeah, something about positivity. Yeah. Like yeah. positive energy and negative energy. Mm-hmm. Like what we were talking about, mm-hmm. how positive can help instead of um, destroy. Mm-hmm. But this is just the, um, some notes I wrote that I think is good to share with everybody. So on positive, I wrote, the activity of nature does not cease. Coming to an end, it starts over again. Therefore, it can go on perpetually. When a wheel has a place to turn, it can thereby travel far. The activity of nature is one without deviation. Therefore, it has no error. When the energy of heaven descends and the energy of earth ascends, yin and yang commune, and myriad beings are equal. When enlightened people are in charge of affairs, petty people disappear. This is the way of heaven and earth. If the energy of heaven does not descend and the energy of earth does not ascend, then yin and yang do not commune and myriad beings do not flourish. Petty people gain power and enlightened people disappear. The five grains do not produce and the virtue of the way is inwardly concealed. The way of heaven is to reduce what is much to add to what is little. The way of earth is to decrease what is high to augment what is low. The way of ghosts and spirits is to make the excessive haunty and give to the humble. The way of humanity is not to give to those who have much. The way of sages is humility that no one can overmaster. When the sky is light and the sun is bright, then it can illumine the four quarters. When the rulers are illumined and the ministers are enlightened, the land is then at peace. When the land has these four kinds of light, then it can last a long time. Light means illumination of civilization. The way of heaven is a pattern. The way of earth is a design. Unity harmonizes them. Time works for them, thereby developing myriad beings. This is called the way. The great way is even and not far from oneself. Cultivate it in yourself and the virtue is real. Cultivate it in others, and that virtue is endless. Heaven covers my red beings, just distributing its blessings to nurture them. It gives and does not take, so the vital spirit returns to it. Giving without taking is higher virtue. Earth supports my red beings and matures them. It gives and takes, so the bones return to it. Giving and taking is lower virtue. Lower virtue is not mindless of virtue, so it has no virtue. Earth is stable because it receives from heaven. With the earth stable, myriad beings form. With the earth broad, myriad beings gather. While 
While being stable, it supports all. Being broad, it accommodates all. With the formation of the earth deep and thick, water springs in, enter into it and collect. With the extent of the earth wide and vast, it can last forever. Sages take this as a model, whereby virtue accommodates all. When negative energy is blocked by positive energy, all beings flourish. When positive energy returns from negative energy, all beings are at peace. When beings flourish, all thrive. When beings are at peace, all are happy. When beings are happy, they are orderly. When negativity injures beings, positivity is naturally constrained. When negativity advances and positivity recedes, petty people gain power and enlightened people flee harm. The way of nature is thus. When positive energy is active, myriad beings are relaxed and find their places. Therefore, sages follow the way of positivity. Those who go along with others find that others go along with them. Those who oppose others find that others oppose them. Therefore, the true nature of beings is not lost. When the ponds and lakes are full, myriad beings develop regularly. When the ponds and lakes dry up, myriad beings pass away like flowers. If the rains do not come, the land is devastated. Positive energy rises and then it descends, so it can end and then begin again, and thus can continue perpetually. Because it can continue perpetually, it is the mother of the world. Positive energy can be dispersed only after it has accumulated. Negative energy can exert influence only after it has built up. Nothing can exert influence without having been accumulated and built up. Therefore, sages are careful about what they accumulate. When, positive, when positivity erases negativity, all beings are robust. When negativity erases positivity, all beings decline. Therefore, when leaders esteem the positive way, then, being, then beings thrive. When they esteem the negative way, then beings do not develop. If rulers are not humble to their subjects, the influence of their virtue will not be effective. Therefore, when rulers are humble to their subjects, they are lucid and clear. And when they are not humble to their subjects, they are blind and deaf. When the sun emerges over the horizon, beings grow. When true leaders preside over the populace, they illumine, illumine the virtues of the way thereby. When the sun goes down the horizon, beings rest. When petty people preside over the populace, everyone runs and hides. That's what I wrote. Whoa! <laughs> it's, you know, a little bit on positivity. Mm -hmm. On what I'm talking about, being how positive energy can act like karma. Mm -hmm. You know, you want to give that positivity and it comes back to you mm -hmm. in many different ways. And like I was talking, I did a lecture in Japan and what I was telling them about karma was that when you build enough of it, when you accumulate a lot of it, you can 
not only can you store it and use it for later, but you can give it away as gifts. Mm-hmm. You know, for mm-hmm. example, if you have somebody sick in your family, mm-hmm. and if you got enough enough positive karma on you, you can give them some to help mm-hmm. them. Say, I'm gonna give you some of my good karma to help you with your sickness. Mm-hmm. And you know, or you can, you know, if you have injuries, you can use it to help heal. Mm-hmm. You know, or if, you know. You can use it for whatever you want because right. you built it. It's you. It belongs to you. And that's how a lot of people avoid accidents because those people are usually the ones that do good karma to others. And the way you get karma is the only way you can get it is to do things for free. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like you can't get anything in return. When you help somebody, don't ask for something in return. Mm-hmm. You know, it has to be for free. That's the only way you can build good karma. And the more you help people, even though it's little, that little bit adds up. It adds and adds and adds and it builds and builds to where almost all these good blessings come to you. You know what I mean? It almost seems Mm -hmm. like as if magic. Like, oh, this this guy's good luck. You know what I mean? Because (laughs) he's built up all that karma. He or she, you know, Mm -hmm. they build up all that good karma to where all this good energy follows them. All this good karma follows them so whoever they affect it affects them the people Mm -hmm. around them and that's why everybody wants to be around them because good things happen Mm -hmm. you know so this was just some of the um uh, research that i do because i do i study a lot of not just my own but other cultures yeah you know not just the indigenous but other cultures from around the world Mm -hmm. you know asia um, China, you know, and a lot of my stuff comes from China, from India. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, I've I've read some of the Bible. You know, I know the stories on that. Yeah. You know, the Quran. You know that too. So that's why, if you want to know the secrets to life, you got you got to kind of research every ancient culture because every ancient culture has a piece of the puzzle. Yeah. And you know, it may not be the whole, but it has a, a something. Mm-hmm. And that's how I knew that all of these ancient cultures talk about Hopi. It all comes back to Oribe. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, and it's um, the symbol for Oribe is a tree. Mm-hmm. That's the, the tree is the symbol. That's what the world knows us as. Mm-hmm. So that's my little, what I know. I don't know if you have any more questions. <laughs> I have a lot more questions, but I won't uh, keep you here all day. The one question I have, and then I'll just ask you if there's anything we forgot to ask, but is women... You know, what I've seen around the world is some of the most enlightened cultures. They really have a very deep respect for feminine. Um, And I'm just curious if you want to share anything from the teachings of your people or even your own personal teachings. Uh, If you have basically anything to say about women, you know, what is what is uh, what does that mean? In uh, in your worldview, about the female, mm-hmm. the female is just as important as the male, mm-hmm. and I believe me personally is is more important than the male mm-hmm. because everything goes through the female. Mm-hmm. Even though most cultures in in the East, you know, they is male dominated. Everything goes through the male. But me, personally, I believe that it's the females that has the most responsibility mm-hmm. of not of all living things. 
Mm-hmm. In, and the men folk, we have responsibility ceremony-wise, but the women have responsibility family-wise, which is far more important than ceremony. Mm-hmm. All ceremony is is to help the earth and the, the, the living things on it. Mm-hmm. But there's really nothing for family. You know, there's no ceremony to help the family, you know, except marriage or, you know, baby namings and stuff like that. But nothing to keep a family whole. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's the whole responsibility of the female is to keep the family together, to keep, you know, to take care of the family. Mm -hmm. And one of my most, through my researches, I even said this in Japan in my lecture there was that there's four great connections in our entire existence that I found out through my research. There's four connections that connect everything. Mm-hmm. And the fourth strongest connection is how we treat each other's people and family. You know, that's a connection. We should be treating each other's with respect, with honesty, truthfulness. You know, we should all be treating each other's like family, like mm-hmm. brothers and sisters. You mm-hmm. know, we should all be respectful to each other's in that kind of way. Mm-hmm. It's a connection. Even though you're not family, you know, you should still treat each other's that way. That's a connection. Mm-hmm. The third strongest connection is the connection between with the land. Living mm-hmm. off the land, our food, our homes, our clothing, everything should come from the earth. Mm-hmm. Everything, our water, everything should be from the earth. Mm-hmm. That's a connection. Our Our communities, our villages, everything should be with the earth you know Mm -hmm. together that's a connection Mm -hmm. the second strongest connection and i've been thinking about the first and second connection lately on whether they should switch yeah because i i i don't know if um number one should be a number two or number two should be a number one but the way i put it is the number two connection is the love between a man and a woman that mm-hmm. marriage, mm-hmm. marriage, you know, that love, you know, the the man and the woman, that the love that they share for each other, that connection, that bond is a connection. You know, the, a male and a female connect, make, uh, create yin and yang with that, you mm-hmm. know, become whole. That's a connection. And it's a powerful connection. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. It creates nations, you know, it creates gods even, you know, just mm-hmm. that love. And that is the second strongest, or it could be the first. You know, I'm not sure yet. Mm-hmm. But the number one, in my opinion, is the number one connection of all of our, of all life, is the connection between a mother and her child. Mm. That is the strongest connection, in my opinion, because it sets the foundation for everything, mm. and that's what makes the female so important, because that connection between a mother and her children, it's a bond, it's a connection that no one can break. You know, if something's wrong with the mother, the son, the child's going to know. If something's wrong with the children, the mother's going to know. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's that connection. Mm-hmm. And depending on the parent is how the kids go. Mm-hmm. And that's my, my, you know, my theory on the four strongest connections. But I don't know, though, you know, I don't know if um, number one and number two should trade places. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard. I haven't experienced number two yet, so I don't know yet. I have number four, number three, number two, number one, but number two I don't have yet either. So I haven't 
you know, I don't know, but I I believe to to be, you know, once you get once you love somebody so much and you marry, get married, just that connection brings out, you know, there's a power inside a man that only a woman can bring out. There's a power inside a woman that only a man can bring out. You know, there's even hidden stuff, you know, stuff that's stored in the memory from lifetimes that can be brought out again only because of that love. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? That connection. You can connect and um, be together so deep and strong that all those old memories will come out. And that's kind of sort of like being enlightened because when you're enlightened, all those memories come back mm. from past lifetimes. Mm-hmm. So that is, to me, the the female is the most important of all species, you know, mm-hmm. not just in humanity, but, you know, the animals, the insects, you know, the plants, you know, it's all on the female. Everything's based on the female. And so that's why I believe the savior to the world isn't a man, but a woman. Mm. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the, like the, the Messiah, the Jesus, you know, all of that. It's going to be worked through a man, but it's going to be because of a woman. Mm. That's going to bring that out of that man. And that's what's going to turn him into that person. Mm. You know what I mean? And yeah. that's my theory. I believe that the fe- there's a girl, a female out here somewhere that's just as ancient, you know, as mm-hmm. the male. And this going to be almost like Ghostbusters. Remember, <laughs> you got the gatekeeper and the key master. Mm-hmm. You got to get them together to open it up. Mm-hmm. Almost like that, mm-hmm. but for good. Yes, and yes. everything is so crazy and cra- um, chaotic that that the bad people are trying, are hoping to God that they don't meet. Mm-hmm. Because if they meet, then that's just going to be the end of their. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. So I know it's a, a weird way to no, put it. No, it's but, not weird at all. But it makes sense. That's just you know my theory on on why the female is most important. And they play the most important part in, in human beings' existence is the female. Mm-hmm. The male is there, of course. They We play a part, but it's not as strong as the females because we're not the ones that have the child. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the women that have it. And it's the woman's responsibility to take care of that child. Mm-hmm. So when you look at it on a higher level, mm-hmm. like the sun and the earth, the earth is responsible for the humans. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The earth's going to do whatever she can to take care of the humans mm-hmm. along with the sun. Mm-hmm. And so the sun can do punishments, though. You know, like the dad can punish the kids, mm. you know, when they get out of hand, mm-hmm. you know, by doing whatever, you know, catastrophes or something. Mm-hmm. We don't know. Mm-hmm. But that's what I believe is going to happen, that the sun is going to get mad at us. And cause like a solar flare or something, mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. to where it's going to, you know, hurt humanity. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I'll say something a little controversial, but um, I've never been one to to shy away from that. But, you know, some people say that, that Jesus actually um, did have a female counterpart, um, Mary Magdalene. You know, she was a prost. They say she was a prostitute. But when Jesus approached her, he saw, he didn't judge her. He saw she was a a sacred woman. And I always say, you know, she was not a prostitute. She was a sex slave. She was enslaved by the world around her. And her story was buried when the churches transferred over to um, the Roman uh, Empire. 
And, um, but that, that part of what brought Jesus out, the, 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 the strength of him, that his soul to grow where it grew was, was his service to this woman, his compassion and his non-judgment and his seeing her when everyone else had thrown her in the trash, the whole world told her she was nothing. He saw something beautiful in her and they say that they work together. And even after his death, there's a cave in France where she went. It's called Mary's Cave. You can go to it where she would heal people. And so I really uh, appreciate what you said. And I love that about indigenous cultures across the continent. You know, we honor women. Um, and even in Diné, you know, we get our clans from our mothers. And we have a joke in Diné, you know, we say Father Sky, Mother Earth. And we say, okay, so that means the men, you guys are in charge of everything in the sky. And the women were in charge of everything on the earth, which, you know, it's more of a joke. But just saying we have a lot of sway. We have a lot of influence as women in our culture. And they even say that the women's suffrage movement to get women to vote was inspired by the Haudenosaunee Confederacy, that these American women spent time with the native people in the Haudenosaunee Confederacy, and they saw how the women had rights, the women had a voice, the women had sway, even more sometimes sway than the men. Uh, but again, they're equal, you know. But um, And then they say, hey, how come we don't have that? <laughs> you know? So they went out and demanded their right to vote. So indigenous peoples have inspired so much uh, out there in the world of how to honor the women. And that's why I wanted to ask you that question. I think it's so important. Um, well, just thank you so much for your time. We've spent a very wonderful uh, bit of time together. Um, and I just appreciate you for sharing your heart, sharing your mind, sharing your thoughts that you have uh, that you have gained throughout this training period and from your ancestors and from the land and from other cultures too. You know, thank you so much for sharing that with me and, and all the people who are listening. And I pray that it helps maybe even one person. Uh, and, and maybe before we wrap up and close this little um, ceremony, you know, maybe if you I just want to ask you, to, is there anything else you'd like to say that I hadn't asked you? You know, just sort of a, a final question of, you know, is there anything else you'd like to say before we, before we wrap up? Mm, no, just that um, somebody hacked my Instagram account <laughs> and I just got a text saying somebody posted something about lashes, eyelashes on my story. <laughs> So that's not his post, everyone. Yeah. So somebody took my stole my account and is posting stuff. Well, we will get that fixed right now. Hopefully. Yes. But other than that, no. And uh, speaking of which, it's Akima underscore Fire God. Yeah. So fire, A H Fire God Akima. Oh, Fire God underscore A H K I M A. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not me now. Somebody. <laughs> Yeah, they stole my account, and so, I don't know. Yeah. I'm going to take a look at it. It just happened today, so. And your YouTube is? Just my name, Akima. Okay. Onium Tua. Yep. So, we'll we'll post all of that in the, you know, the, the body of the uh, podcast. Um, so, please feel free to follow Akima. Thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. And with that, we will close. Thank you all for listening to Nehejeh. 
Our Voices Indigenous Solutions podcast on this episode on Hopi dryland farming and our place in the universe as human beings. Yeah, go on it.